harmony and peace and the sun will once again rise up in the east. Welcome to Ink Pulp Audio. So I've got approximately four weeks left of teaching. And there's, I guess when there's transitions in life, you reflect. So let's do this. Um, you know, I, I realize like looking back on this podcast, uh, there, there's been a lot of bitch sessions on my end, a lot of introspection. And just looking back on it, I can, I can see pretty clearly the how hard having two jobs has been and how much of a toll it's taken on my my life I, I guess my happiness maybe it drove it was the the fuel for my anxiety binges so as that's coming closer to a stop um i feel pretty good and i'm noticing you know People spend a lot of time doing what they think is right and playing it safe. And maybe I've said this before. And looking back, I think the having the teaching job was, was really what I needed to do up until about two years ago. And now that I'm leaving and I've put that out, into the universe opportunities in in comics have jumped dramatically i mean i i've been really busy but i'm in talks with a publisher about something huge that probably wouldn't have happened if i had stayed teaching and sometimes a risk is what you need to do. It makes you feel alive. It makes you feel in control. And and I think a lot of the anxiety was this out of control feeling where I felt like life was was in the driver's seat and I was in the passenger seat. So I took the driver's seat. I took the steering wheel and now I'm in control. So things feel very good. And there's an episode with Sanford coming up and... and some others where where we talk about this, you're expected to have a salary and benefits and blah blah blah. But uh, honestly, this this healthcare act is is opened up some freedoms, especially for creative minded people. So uh, I'm excited. I'll I'll let you know how it goes. Am I scared minimally, if at all? I'm more excited than anything, and I also trust that I'll make it happen. I'll, I'll figure out what needs to be done. If if there's a dry spell in comics, I, I'll I'll figure it out. I'm gonna try to enjoy this journey, and uh, I'm pretty excited. I, I do apologize to um, students that may have come to school. I found out recently that there are a considerable number of students who came to school because of me. I did what what I was supposed to do in recruiting and I believed in everything I had said, but this is where, where I need to go right now. So, and, and it's time. There's a lot of things that have, that have happened that let me know 
it was time to go. There are a lot of things that have happened to let me know it's it's time to to do to do comics. And just the the recent successes I've had have made me aware that I'm doing the right thing. Uh, kids are excited. Wife is excited. And I feel the pot coming to a boil in a good way. Recently on Twitter, David Marquez tweeted out, I guess he discovered the podcast recently and uh, seems to enjoy it. And he, he called this a support group for comic book artists. And I thought that was interesting. I, I, I like that. I'll take it. I'll take it. Um, you know, we all do sit and work in solitude, hours a, a day, weeks, uh, when you're under that deadline and when you're on a regular book, that's, uh, uh, it's a relentless schedule and there's a lot of time spent alone working. So if this helps you get through the day, that's part of the reason I started this. That's all I do. I listen to podcasts. Um, I'm glad and, and I hope. All of you helped spread the word, get get more and more people aware of this. In fact, if you can all do one thing, please go and subscribe through iTunes. It gives you the automatic download. We have had some issues recently, and, and Alan and I, Alan's my, my audio guy, um, are going to talk about how to... Uh, I'm going to try to get ahead on this even more than I am. And when I leave school, of course, it'll be easier. And that'll allow me to monitor the podcast a little better. But we've had some issues with iTunes lately where, like, Mark Brooks' second episode didn't show up on iTunes. If you were a subscriber, you got it. And if you went to my host site, you'd get it. But if you just went to iTunes to listen to it, you wouldn't see it. And also on, on Xylenol Part 1, there were some audio gaps. Um, that just was an error in uploading. And uh, we we catch these things and we redo it. But lately I felt like the uh, one thing I've been really happy with is the quality of, of the, uh, the show in terms of the production, not necessarily the content. I am proud of the content. But uh, I know Alan's one of the best people to be doing this. Uh, he knows the audio world extremely well. And while podcasting is new to me and kind of new to him, we're working it out. So, you know, please bear with us. Uh, uh, thank you for the tweets that let me know if you're having an issue. I, I do look into it and we're trying to stay on top of all that stuff. So, you know, like I said from the beginning, this is a DIY operation. You're going to have nicks and bumps and weird things happening. It's just, it is what it is. I'm, I'm not putting together a, High end. Well, I mean, it sounds good, but this isn't an overly produced show. So recently, I had a a conversation with a a good friend of mine. He's a, a writer in comics, and he's going through a tough time. Uh, he's he's got the uh, the anxiety bug, and he's got a much more legitimate reason than I do to have this. And it's been hard, and and I I notice in myself and in my friend what you do when you're having a really hard time is you pull out, you retreat into yourself, and you disappear at a time when you really need to be talking and, and having that outside support. It's it's really helpful, and when you retreat into your head, the paranoia kicks in, 
and you start thinking irrationally and you start convincing yourself that these irrational thoughts are probably the truth. And it's just a downward spiral and it's not good. So I hadn't spoke to my friend for a while. Of course, I had been wrapped up in my life, uh, which again, all of us comic book artists and, and that doesn't, it doesn't matter if you're working for a publisher or not. If you're spending a lot of time alone in your studio working or wherever, it's important to reach out to keep that that social part of your life alive. It, it's damaging to not do that, to stay holed up. I think it, it takes our social anxieties and it makes them worse. It's like letting a disease fester. So pick up a phone, make a call, even uh, even if you feel like I don't want to burden other people with my problems. If you've got a good friend, it's not a burden, you know, friend in need and all that jazz. So it just got me thinking about things that help. And, and I've seen it in, in a few people recently. A close friend of my wife's had a complete, I, I don't know if you'd call it a panic episode, for days, just constant panic. Um, maybe even a couple weeks, she lost like 10 pounds. It was bad. And it's hard to watch, but it really, one thing I've learned is that you are in control of this. And as, as hard as that is to hear when you're in the throes of panic, where someone says, just get in, get in the driver's seat, take control of this, um, it's not that easy. It's definitely not easy, and I'm not trying to downplay. I'm not trying to say it's easy because it's not. But you you are in control, and and as as easy as it is to say, choose to be happy. Um, there is, there is a real element of truth to that statement. You can choose it. Now, you might be up against a giant monster of madness that you have to fight in order to be happy. I mean, making the choice to fight it is the hard part. But I'm just learning that you are in control and it's hard, but you've got to put the work in. That's what it's about, the work. And how do you do that? Therapy is obviously helpful and and a lot of people do that. But what's been most helpful for me is uh, spending a lot of time thinking, but... These audiobooks really help gain help me gain perspective. The the Dalai Lama put a book together called The Art of Happiness, and as cheesy and hippie as it sounds, it really is helpful. It really it it really gives you some insight into to how your mind is working. Um, I find the the War of Art not not Sun Tzu's The Art of War. This is Stephen Pressfield's The War of Art. Um, that's really helpful. That's a short one and a great intro point. But it helps you really gain perspective on how the how the creative mind works and how it can be toxic. And it's built around this idea of resistance and, and how to define it, observe it, and overcome it. It's, it's divided into three books. And what this idea of resistance is. Resistance is that voice that says, hey, why, why don't you clean your studio before you work today. Resistance is that voice that says, this sucks. Everything, every line you're putting down sucks. 
Resistance is any voice in your head that prevents you from doing work and feeling good while working creatively. So that that's helpful. And The Power of Now by Eckhart Tolle. Tolle I don't, I'm not sure how to say it. It's, it, it's really incredibly information in the book. It's a little hard to listen to because he narrates it. And I, I believe he's German. And and his accent is kind of thick, and he's got a very slow voice, slow speaking pattern, I guess. Um, so it gets a little hard to listen to, and it's long, but it, the information is, is amazing. And, of course, all the podcasts that are out, not all the ones that are out there, the ones I listen to help a lot, and a lot of them are driven by comedians, uh, and, and those are really helpful. Um, and then this one other thing that... I've discovered I have to find it here on my phone. I wrote it down. Um, It's basically things you can do, how to be happy. That's what we'll call it. All right, here's here's things you can do that'll help you. Three gratitudes. Write down three new gratitudes each day for 21 days. Just every day, write down. I do it in my notes on my phone. Three new gratitudes, three things you're grateful for in that day. And doing this before I go to bed, filling my mind with these more positive than negative thoughts helps. Uh, Journaling, write about one positive experience each day. I do the gratitudes first and then you can get into journaling. And that can be just for you. You don't have to make that for public viewing. Exercise helps tremendously. It it just does. Um, You know, like yesterday I, I... I got home from work, made dinner, did all the uh, all the the cooking, and we all ate. And then I just felt wiped out, and and I could feel anxiety was really creeping up. One thing that's happening with me is as school winds down, the workload seems to be ramping up, and I'm really having a lot of trouble finding that balance that I had established a few quarters ago, where I could get a lot of work done and still do what I had to do for school. Right now, school's dominating everything. Now, part of that is me, because I don't want to leave on a bad foot, and I don't want to leave with any resentment. I'm trying to take care of my end of things. So uh, I'm doing everything I can to to leave on a good foot. And I know come the end of May, when this podcast comes out, I'll be done teaching, and I will be a full-time comic book artist. And I just really look forward to dumping a tremendous amount of work and it's stuff that occupies my mental space more than anything reminders like if my brain was it was a computer it'd just be filled with sticky notes and just clearing that off where i'm constantly don't forget this don't forget that don't forget this all, all that to be gone and to have a lot more freedom in my day where like yesterday when i pulled up to the gym and i'll get back to my point just hold on when i got to the gym i noticed the pool was open and I was like, man, after my workout, you know, we, I could bring the whole family. We could take turns, me and my wife, going to the pool and hanging out with the kids. But on a weekday night, as the sun's setting, just chilling out by the pool sounds wonderful. But I can't do that because I got to get home. I got to do emails. Blah, 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 blah. And getting rid of that and having the ability to say, you know what? I am going to go to the pool. It's going to be great. I look forward to that. I love the water. So my point being, yesterday I was exhausted. 
I, I went upstairs to change and I just laid down in the bed. And I was like, I have zero energy. And the anxiety was really building because of all the end of year stuff. And in order to sort of seal the deal on this big project that I'm in talks with, I've got to do some artwork. And I, that's all I want to do. I just want to get this artwork done and lock this book down because it's big and it's a dream job. So I, I mustered up the energy to go to the gym. And when I came back, I was charged up. I was a battery. I was happy. Anxiety was gone. I mean, I had planned on taking a clonopin when I got home just to ease anxiety, but I didn't need it. I got home. I felt wonderful. And uh, I did a bunch of cardio that night. It wasn't even yoga. And yoga just, I leave yoga class like a fucking bowl of jello. Just just rel- a, a bowl of hairy jello. Just relaxed to the bones. Well, I guess there's no bones if I'm jello. Uh, meditation. This gets into yoga a little bit. Um, it calms the mind and teaches the brain to focus on one thing at a time. And that I have trouble with. Honestly, the hardest part for me for yoga is at the very end, you just lie down and do a little meditation. They call it Shavasana. That's the hardest thing for me because I cannot stop my mind from reeling. Every now and then I can. And and I feel that third eye open and I see the colors and all that all that hippy dippy stuff. But it works. But that's the hardest part. As physically and mentally challenging as the entire hour and fifteen minutes of class is, that's the hardest part. And I think when you can really teach your mind or train your mind to focus on one thing at a time, it happens. And one thing I'd notice is when I'm in working when I'm penciling or or thumbnailing, and especially when I'm inking, I am only focused on that. So I, I, that is almost a meditative act. Um, yeah, so, so meditation is another thing. And then the fifth thing, random acts of kindness. And this is something I really need to start doing. They say that giving makes someone much happier than receiving. And that's a hard thing to grasp. But I can see it. So, you know, and random acts of kindness aren't about recognition for the act. It's about paying someone's dinner bill and leaving before they realize it. Stuff like that. Uh, That stuff can make you feel good. So that's a little five-point how to be happy. All right? 18 minutes in, that wasn't too bad. All right, today we've got part one of my interview with Wando. Now, as you'll hear in the interview, um, I, I was a fan of Wando the, the, from the first time I saw his work. It's, it wouldn't be surprising to anyone who's known my work to know that I'm a fan. He's a, a great cartoonist an incredible designer and uh, he really he's got a singular voice I think in this business so a while ago when I was with Cadence Comic Art that's when Paolo was selling my my art um, he had emailed me I believe saying that uh, 
he was working at a comic shop in New York at the time and said that Wando had come into the store and when he when they got to talking and he found out who Paulo repped, he said, I really want to talk to Sean Crystal and Sean Murphy. He was really interested in you know, I guess our inking had really inspired him or, or got him thinking. So when Paulo told that told me that I was ecstatic because I was a fan of his work. I'll tell you, I back to the support group thing about Dave Marquez. I, I one thing I really want to do, and, and when Sanford and I talk next month, you'll hear th- this idea of community is so important to me in, in our culture, but also within this business. I kind of hope the one one of the positive aspects that comes out of this podcast is a, a deeper sense of community amongst the creative people, because there are I don't know clicks, crews, posses, clans, posses, crews, and clicks. Who knows that reference? Um. And it's not all bad. I mean, there are, people are pretty friendly, but there's a lot of backstabbing and fake talk in front of someone and different talk when you're away from them. And I, I'm big enough to admit I'm guilty of it myself, but I, I really am, feel like I've stopped doing that. And it's been work and I put the time in, but I'm hoping that... You know, people make up their minds about other artists who they've never met based on their work and based on what other people feel about them. And the one thing I'm hoping to do with these interviews is is paint a good, a clear portrait of who that person is, and maybe open people's minds to to them. And maybe that maybe they'll get talking. I know every time I interview someone new. They like on my friend list after that, and I see them at shows. We hang out, and it's it's great. It's been great for me. Uh, I've gotten to know so many people, but my hope is that other, that creators get to know other creators through the interviews, and that they can share that. We can build a better community uh, amongst ourselves. That that would be interesting. So what the fuck? That was that was that just wiped my mind out. I don't know where I was. Uh, Wando, I got it. Uh, yeah, so we got to talking. We talked over email a little bit and met at a New York show once. And he had always said when you're in New York, he has a, a studio near near Times Square. And I should come by and I want to see it. And every time I went to New York, it was just hard to work out. I guess I, I didn't make it a priority is really what the bottom line is. My priority when I go to New York, I usually go a couple of times a year outside of the 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 con is to conduct business, to go to the publishing houses and to see close friends. And I didn't know Juan that well. So I I guess just not, not knowing him that well, I hadn't put made a priority of it. So I did this time. I went, I was like, I really want to sit down and chat with him. So, uh, this is what came out of it. We we sat down to record a, an hour episode like I always do. And what happens sometimes is there's a lot to talk about. And you get the conversation wheels turning and it turns into a two-parter. So what's fascinating about this is I know Wando by his second career in comics. He's had two. And his 
second career in comics was under the name Juan Doe. Now, obviously, I knew that wasn't his real name, but I didn't know the story. I assumed that as a... Well, I assumed he had a background in graffiti because of his style and because I know we have a shared interest in hip-hop. And I assumed this was a... I also know he had branded himself with that Unabomber image and, and the Wando title. So I saw a real graffiti thing where there's a there's an anonymity to the name where it's just Wando and it's not a person. So I just assumed that he uh, became known by the graffiti stuff and just stuck to it. But that's not entirely what happened here. It's actually, there's more to it than that, a lot more. And that's what this interview is about. So the first part is kind of the the story of him before Wando. His real name, uh, I'm going off memory here, was Ken. I forget. It's in there. Uh, and uh, he had never publicly spoken about this and had never talked about it in an interview. So it, it makes for a really fascinating conversation. So the first part is all about the the Ken years. And, and that's has to do with his whole life, his pre-comics life, his first run at comics, and how he destroyed his name and career and his fine art career and the tragedies that came along with it. And then the second part is the current incarnation of Wando. So this is this is a really fascinating interview for me. I, I I'm a fan of his work. I'm a fan of him as a person. He's a good dude. And uh I hope those of you that don't know him get to know him a little bit through here. And I hope those of you that are fans become bigger fans. So enough talk. What is that? That, that was a uh, that was uh, Manhattan, Woody Hall. Enough talk. Welcome to Ink Pulp Audio. I'm Sean Crystal, and I'm sitting here with Juan Doe, which is kind of where I want to start this interview. <laughs> Say hi. Hello. What's going on, Sean? Thank you for uh, having me on here. No, thanks for doing it. No problem, man. All right. So Wando is not your name, correct? Correct. All right. So explain to me where this, where this comes from and, and, and your backstory there. Uh, well, it's, uh, it's not that long of a story, but uh, the Wando thing kind of came up as a, sort of like a joke uh, a long time ago. And it ended up sticking as a pseudo-graffiti name for myself. Uh, at the time, I was doing not necessarily graffiti, but just more like whatever, mural art or right. poster art. So, uh, uh, Like street art? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was uh, uh, kind of started off as a, as, as, as a joke. Someone called me Juan Doe, and we all like laughed about it. And then that was it. It was just like, yo, it what's up? Stuck. Yeah, I, I, I think what it was is I had, been, I had been away for a while. or, or My friends hadn't seen me in a minute. Like, yo, what's up, Juan Doe? You know, like, <laughs> like, where you been? <laughs> I was like, oh, that's fucking great. So we all started laughing and shit. And then that was it. It just kind of like stuck, you know. And then it became like my, I guess, like I said, pseudo graffiti name or art name. 
And then uh, that was it. I started doing like art shows or art events, and I was just like Wando, Wando. Well, how old stuck. were you when, when this name um, came into play? This must have been oh god, maybe in like my like mid to, mid to late twenties. Okay, and uh, your real name is? Uh, my real name is Ken. Okay, and so now, and you also you worked in comics before Wando worked in comics. Ken worked in comics. Ken, yes, had a brief stint in the comic book industry uh, a long time ago. And now, was that before the name Wando came into your life? Way before, way before. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a whole other, like, you know, career uh, that existed before Wando, yes. Okay, so talk to me about how you got into, let's back, back, back. Okay. How you got into comics and uh, what, what, what happened during that era, and then we'll get into the Wando All right, yeah, era. this was, um, so... Yeah, I, I, I guess you could say I have like two distinct careers. You know, there is the real career that I had, you know, and then there's the the Huando career, which that one started maybe like in 2005. But I got into comics. It must have been like wow, like the mid 90s, maybe. Uh-huh. Um, I was 19 years old. Uh, I went to two years of college, and then um, I took like a year off to what just, college? I went to FIT. Okay, Fashion, Fashion Institute. Institute. And what uh, did you study there? I was a um, uh, fashion illustration major. Okay. And I minored in illustration. Okay. So I went for, for, for two years. And then after two years, uh, I left because I had gotten into computers at that time. So this was at a, at a time where you know computers were kind of really new. Uh, the school had built a, a lab with all of these new Macintosh computers. What year is this? This is, this has to be 90, oh, this is really early. This is like 92. Okay. Yeah, yeah. This, this is maybe like like 92, my last year of uh, college. So I left in 93. So that, that year I got into Macintosh computers. I was learning illustration. I, I was still learning like some of the old school art techniques, you know, uh, mechanicals, paste ups. Mm-hmm. And then I was using computers in the lab. And I remember knowing that there was going to be a divide coming up because I had seen right. what you could do with something like Photoshop or Illustrator. At that stage, that was in its, in its infancy. So you were part of that generation that was trained in the old methods and the new methods. Yeah, I think I was right dead in the yeah. middle of that transition, you know, where I went to school and I trained in, in traditional manner. We drew from life. We painted, you know, we, right. we did everything like the way you, you were taught traditionally. And then I just happened to work in the school lab, which was like part of maybe the, the newer department. So I don't think it right. really... Right. But I'm saying you learned like traditional paste up and, yes. and hand yes. cutting. Absolutely. Uh, yes. Uh, or, uh, separating film yes, and yes. lith and... yeah, like, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, filling in. And the, what was like, that? What the, was the colored paper you used to cut the letters out of? Uh, I'm, I, God, I'm gonna sound like a fool. I don't know if that's like the rubylith. Rubylith was the like red. That was the red. Um, but the the Letramax or I don't. Oh, uh, not like the Zipatone. Oh, the no. like Letraset. Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Yeah, oh my yeah. God. Yeah, I was, I was in that too. <laughs> a lot of that too. Yeah. <laughs> So, um, yeah, so, so this was like sort of a, a interesting transit, like transitional period. And I really wasn't that aware of it at mm-hmm. that time, you know. Um, so I left school. It was uh, 93. And what, what I did was I, I ended up like getting a, a student loan to get a computer. And I ended up going home and working on this Macintosh computer uh-huh. and like messing so around. So you left school basically like, I'm going to go learn this computer yeah. stuff yeah, on yeah, my yeah, own. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, you know what? This is like kind of where it's at. So I could have gone to the bachelor program. And at that and, time, I remember teachers were learning it too. So yes. it was like, 
Well, you didn't need them because they were just reading manuals that you yeah. could read. Yeah. yeah. Okay. No, and um, you know, and and the class that I was in was really like talented. We were like a really talented group of people, and I definitely had hesitation about not going to the bachelor's program and getting better because we were all really into art and we right. wanted to get better. So I kind of like made a big decision to like, you know, what, I'm gonna kind of mess with this computer. I had no job or anything like that. I was just messing around at home. And on the weekends, I was actually, um, this is what I did at the time, I was actually a, a professional clown, if you can believe that. Were you really? <laughs> yeah, I did. For like kids' parties and yeah. stuff? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so this was uh, uh, part of this whole like adventure that I've been on. And I started that when I was 13. I put myself through high school and college as a clown, as a clown? on the weekends. Yeah. Did you do your own makeup and stuff? Yeah. Did yeah, you get yeah, crazy yeah, yeah. with it? Actually, it was, it was even crazier. I was like a magical acrobatic clown. Was, really? Uh, yeah, I was. Uh, I was on the gymnastics team in high school. Okay. I played baseball in the spring, and I was a clown on the weekends. And I learned magic, and I actually trained. That was just like a real, like really trained. So you went to like a school to learn. Uh, I trained trade? with. Uh, it was like the guy of like the. Who, oh, like an apprenticeship. Who, yes. Yes. Okay. Yes. And I did that from the age of thirteen to sixteen, and then at sixteen I got my first like clowning like assi- uh, like assignments on my own. And I was a clown. I was like... What was the craziest thing you had to be a clown at? Or what was the craziest story dealing with that? Oh, my God. Uh, There's a couple of them. Um, One time, I'm in the the car with my cousin. And we're actually both dressed up as clowns. (laughs) And we're we're, we're running late for a show. Now, now this was only on the weekends. So we we only worked on the weekends. You did something like seven to eight shows, you know, and then you drove all around, like, New York City. This was like a whole... This is a company, costumes. Like, we had routines the whole night. Right, right. So we're, like, in makeup, and we're totally trying to get to, like, our next show. We're, like, running late. It was in Brooklyn, and we were driving alongside the... BQE, and I like kind of took a red light, you know, I probably shouldn't have. <laughs> and this car, like, just missed like hitting the back of our car. Oh my god, and we heard like the screeching tires, and like everyone stopped. So basically, like, these three giant dudes came out of their car to beat our asses. And me and my cousin got out of our car and dressed up <laughs> as fucking clowns, son. It was they, they just took two steps forward, looked at us. Turned right back around, jumped in their car, and <laughs> They're left. Thinking either these like, you guys know what? are Portland <laughs> yeah. or these guys are local. Absolutely. Man. So I, I, I remember always thinking of that moment and thanking God that I was dressed as a clown that day. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> Um, All right, and that paid for college. Yes, so wow. that's that's actually how I was able to leave school and Monday through Friday. And I realize this now, of course, at the time I didn't realize I was training myself. I was just learning this computer stuff. This was like Photoshop 2.0. I think it was Illustrator 88, or I don't even remember what, wow. what version. This is so. It was like two versions before layers so even dropped. Where yeah. Where were you from? Where were you raised? Uh, born and raised in New York City. Okay. Um, you know, I went to the high school of art and design. Okay. Uh, oh, okay. So, like, I, I always knew I wanted to to do art in some way, shape, or form. You know, my first introduction to art or creativity was, like, probably everyone else at the time, comics, cartoons. Right. Um, and how were your parents with your wanting to pursue art? Uh, I mean, I, they weren't discouraging or encouraging they were just more like well as long as you like do well in school like you can right, kind of right. like, do whatever you want at first they didn't want me to go to the high school of art and design because i I'm, I'm i was born in the city i lived in in spanish harlem and then we uh-huh. moved to queens so then like when i was in queens is when i went to high school okay so she didn't want me to travel to the city oh, but i was oh, like oh. i'm gonna do this like i'm i, I want to go what did your parents do 
my mom was a secretary for most of her life. Uh, my dad was a uh, what do you do? He was like a health club manager. You know, like the, the blue collar, you right? Know, straight up, you were, know, like middle class. Were both like of them working. raised in the states? No, uh, my mom is from South America. And then I what grew part? up with, uh, uh, she's from Ecuador. Okay. And then my dad is from Puerto Rico. Oh, okay. Uh, but I grew up with my stepdad. You know, my, my parents divorced when I was young. Okay. You know, so like, it was kind of like, I saw my dad, you know, sporadically growing up. Okay. Uh, but for the most part, I grew up with my stepdad in Queens. And, you know, it was like a normal kind of like, you Blue know. Blue collar like, lifestyle. Yeah. I mean, we were more on the impoverished side, you uh-huh, know. Right. Like, like <laughs> if you live in New York, you probably always are. Right. Um, you know, but then like eventually, like my parents moved, they bought a house in Jersey and then my brother, my sister grew up in, in Jersey in the suburbs and I, I still had more of the city. Oh, okay. Okay. You know, so uh, they're young experience. Yeah. 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 I was uh, like a lot older. All right. So, and you made good money doing the clown thing and were able to save. Yeah. I mean, it was just like, you know, again, enough to cover like my expenses at the time to be able to just kind of like teach myself i I was living with my girlfriend at the time so like we both worked and she worked and and you know i really wasn't thinking about the comic book thing it was basically after like a few months um i think uh, i saw i went back to the comic book shop i was into comics pretty much all the way up until i entered college then when i went into college i just got into other i was into fashion i was into like illustration so i kind of like slept on comics for I wasn't really sure what was happening but this is around the image days right the boom you know, yes do you like like I remember when when it first happened when image happened right and all those guys left yeah. Marvel so we were definitely following like the, all those first books that they did you know Wildcats and Cyber right, Force right right um so, but then I took like a break for like a couple of years in college. I didn't really know what what was happening. And before I went to college, I wanted to be a comic book artist. You know, I I I definitely was. Oh, I'd love to draw comics. Right. You know, I went to the high school of art and design. I I studied as a cartoonist and I got into cartooning. So, but then I got into fashion and then I kind of felt like, oh, you know, maybe the comic book stuff was just something like like a phase. Right. But uh, after about a year after leaving school and just sitting around on the computer, I decided like to go to the comic book shop. I saw some comic book stuff and I just got the bug. And I was like, yo, maybe okay. I can like, you know, do comics, you know, so let me see what I can do. So I think I sat down and I just like tried to do some kind of made up spider-man wolverine story which is kind of like that's what we all yeah did. you know it was like whatever i was like 19 years old you know i was like yeah. and what, what year is this this about so this 89? is now this is 93 Nine, oh, 93 okay yeah okay. yeah yeah so I, I i left school at the end of, so this is it, it wasn't like it wasn't even a year I mean, it was like six months before i decided to like hey let me see if i can like do some like comic book stuff and then um, I ended up going to there was like a comic book convention at that time there, it used to be at this church um not like the big New York City Comic Con. I forgot the app, the actual name of it, but it was at this church by like 57th Street and Columbus Apple Circle. Yes, yes, yeah, yes. Okay. That I think Wizard bought yeah, like years yeah, later yeah, or yeah, something I think like. So. Yeah. So I, I remember going there and I remember taking this like Spider-Man Wolverine like thing, and there was like a a real Marvel editor there, <laughs> and there was like this huge line, dude. Sure, and, sure. And I was like, you know what, man. I, I have a, a, a phobia with lines. I hate lines. I cannot wait on a fucking line, dude. Yeah, dude. I would rather I'd rather walk around for five hours and then just go right to the front right, right. than to stand on a line yeah, for three it's, hours. It's like I, I don't know. I just I have this thing with lines. So I was like, I'm not gonna wait on line, dude. Like I can't do it. So I, I I didn't get a chance to show my portfolio, but I ended up showing it to like some super indie publisher dudes. 
And they like gave me the like encouragement I needed. They're like, oh, this is like that's super what happens. Cool. It's a super, you know, like, like yeah. I feel awesome. like guys who like you or me who we have a little bit more of an avant garde style. Yeah, yeah. You, you get in front of some of those more indie minded people, and they just give you that support you need. You know, I remember them being honest and yeah. saying, "Look, it's going to be a hard road, but you got something going here." Yeah, I I, I remember that that feeling of it was because it was the first time I'd ever shown comic work. First of all, I had never re- really done a lot of comic. Like I drew superheroes, like figures, or I copied my favorite artists, and I, I tried to learn, you know, the way that they drew. But I never really drew a comic, so I just like made up these six pages, and I think I felt proud that like, oh, someone like thought my Wolverine looked cool or whatever. Right. So it was like in- in- encouraging, but then nothing really happened from that, and I really didn't have the wherewithal to to really figure out what to do. So I kind of like let it drop, and I think like a couple of months passed by, and I ended up running into a, a, a old buddy from high school who he was an artist and he had been into comics, and and he kind of saw my work and he said, "Yo, we should like kind of try to do something." And you go like uh, he could he was like an amazing artist he could do anything, but he was like, "Oh, like I, I can ink, you can pencil," and right. I was like, right, "Yo, let's 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 actually give it a shot." So we we actually went out to a comic book shop and we decided that we were going to look for the worst book possible we're gonna go find which is the worst book that we think art wise and we're gonna see who the editor is and we're gonna call that dude up and sure enough we uh we it was i don't remember the artist or anything but it was a dr strange book i remember thinking "Ah, this looks terrible or whatever this is like in that weird period of comic art in the 90s right like after the boom i think yeah you know where like the market was maybe flooded with too much material not enough quality artists going around right so I, <laughs> we saw the book and we're like, yo, this looks absolutely ugh. So we saw the editor at Marvel. Um, it was actually, uh, his name was Evan Skolnick. Okay. Uh, I'm not sure. I think he did work after that like for a while in comics. I know the name. Um, so we literally, like, I mean, we just went to a payphone on the corner, like <laughs> straight up called up. Yeah, this is when they were uh, on like 28th Street and Park Avenue at the time, so... Called him up, we're like, hey, can we speak to like Evan Skolnick, and got on the phone, like, hi, Evan, this is, uh, you know, Ken, me and my friend, we have like some comic books that we'd love to show. We'd like like five minutes of your time, totally like pitch style, like super fast. Wow, you know, we literally just asked for five minutes of your time. You People know? And, don't, re- I mean, now it's different, but yeah. it always amazed me how someone with just an ounce of ambition could yeah. figure out, oh, I, I can get in touch with the editor pretty easily. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I. I think we were shocked, though. <laughs> yeah. I think it was like a, like a shot in the dark. I'm like, no, did yeah, people no do this? No one did that, yeah. yeah like, but it was like, once you do it, you're like, oh, that's all. Well, that's no, all I, I remember us, like, we had strategized. We was like, you know what? If we mail something in, we're never going to see it. Like, right. we're never, no, we'll never that's hear very from true. Them. They we'll get never, piles. Like, so you know, short of just barging in on them, we decided to, like, directly call someone there. And sure enough, we just called the office. We asked for, for this particular editor. They put us through. And really quick, I just said, you know, five minutes of your time. And sure enough, he gave us, like, an appointment. I think it was, like, the next day. It was, like, because I think it was, like, this week of hustling. We're like, yo, we're going to do this. You know, <laughs> so so we actually go. And we and, and I think at that point, I had produced another. We, oh, we actually, yeah, yeah, We actually produced, I think, a, maybe, like, a eight pages of a Doctor Strange. Again, some made-up Doctor Strange right, story. Right. It's not like we could get scripts at the time. I don't, you know, it wasn't as... I don't think did we had. It was right at the beginning of internet, like AOL yeah, days. Yeah, 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 yeah. So it wasn't like the way nothing it is was today. floating around out there. So um, we ended up doing these pages. We went to see him. Sure enough, he saw us. He, he and, and he looked at our work, and you know what? He was very like 
complimentary and and you know but he was also very you know uh, sure to let us know that you know we just weren't ready at that point right very constructive nothing you know didn't make us feel bad or anything like that's that. a good experience yeah so super positive you know he definitely told us to like stay in touch and we were like oh awesome so but we weren't done so we were like yo what do we do next so we went that's like right as soon as we left marvel we go back to the payphone <laughs> and this time we call dc comics and we asked to speak with Archie Goodwin, like <laughs> directly. And sure enough, we get him on the phone. We we tell him the same thing. And that same day, we went right over to like DC. So as soon as we left Marvel, I see. Yeah, we were on some super hustle shit, dude. We were wow. like, no, nah, no, nah, man, we we got to do this. Like we felt that we were happy with his criticism, but we felt like we were ready to work, dude. Right? Like, yeah, you're hungry. We, we wanted it now, right. dude. So we weren't gonna take no for an. I can't believe that now, actually, when I think about it. But um, we we shot over to DC. We ended up seeing Archie Goodwin. He he let us into his office. You and, got to see Archie Goodwin. Yeah, man, you're it was super lucky, awesome. Man. Yeah, yeah, that was a. Uh, I think about it now. Uh, I, I definitely cherish that that one time I mean, that I got like to. He's like one of the great editors of all time. Absolutely, yeah, no, no, and we we knew who he was. I mean, we were, at that time we were definitely like, once I got back into comics, it didn't take long to re-familiarize myself with who was in the game, sure, like who the people that I liked, and I always knew editors and. I knew all the names that were in the comics because I read all the comics. I loved it, you know, right, Marvel and right. DC. So we definitely knew who like Archie Goodwin was, and and he saw us, and and it was like another level of appreciation. He actually he told me that I was like almost there. Like, yeah, you're not too far from like being able to wow. like, say you're a professional. And then my boy, he was like, "You're ready." I mean, this guy was like exceptional artist. Like the fact that. Inking, that was just like one little tiny thing right, he right. could do. This guy was amazingly talented. And he was like, you're ready. You could you could ink right now. You're like at, and we were both like 19 years old. Wow. So, and I mean, we had a lot of confidence. We we sure. came, we were like, like from high school or like college, we were always with like the good artists. We were in mm-hmm. that mix. Whatever that meant. I mean, we drew a lot. We practiced a lot. You know, we were that, into that it. That right there is it. Yeah. You know, so I think we, we felt really confident. And um and, and I think I think we left, and I think he got like my friend's information, and you know, same thing, kind of like like stay in touch. Um, but we weren't finished. Like we, <laughs> yeah, we were not gonna give up. It was so crazy. So then, um, the 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 real break came right after this when I started like I don't know I don't know if we researched, but I remembered that I had interned. When I was in college, I interned for one single day at Valiant Comics, right around the beginning that they started. Uh-huh. Um, this was the Barry Windsor Smith right. era, the Jim Shooter, like right at the beginning right, when they right. got the the Gold Key characters. I think the Solar, yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, I was still in college, and there was an internship for a comic book company, and me and my friend we signed up, and we went over there. And I had, like, the worst experience, and someone chewed me out. Oh, really? Yeah, and I was like, oh, fuck this, man. I'm like, I'm not going to put <laughs> sodas in your What did you get chewed fruit. out for? Oh, so, uh, someone thought I, like, miscut papers, and I didn't do that. Like, oh. it, was, it was someone else. So, like, interns are treated like crap at that time. And I remember being like, whatever. But I ended up meeting the, the person who, who was running the interns at the time, uh, a woman named Randy. I forgot her last name. But I always remembered her. She was always really nice, mm-hmm. even though it was only one day. So two, like two years later, because this is like after college, I remembered her. And I, w- I said, yo, I, I used to know someone at Valiant. So we left D.C. I'm like, 
We go back to the pay phone. You know, what was it? I don't think I had a phone at the house. And I don't think with cell phones <laughs> yeah, were like ubiquitous. <laughs> this was still straight up quarters, corner like shit. corner pay phone days, dude. <laughs> so went and, and I remember calling Valiant and asking for Randy and the same deal. Like, hey, Randy, I don't know if you remember me. And I interned for you like for one day. She actually remembered me. Wow. And and she was like, yeah. She's like, well, you know, I don't really do that, but I can introduce you to, you know, maybe someone here, like, might be able to help you out. So Valiant all of a sudden became like, well, let's go to Valiant. Let's go, like, see what's going on. So we right. we had trek on over to Valiant. <laughs> and this might, I don't know if this, this might have even been the same day, dude. Like, if, if I don't know, I might be exaggerating, but it might have been, like, this Marvel. Is, this is a movie, right? Definitely, <laughs> One dude. Day. You know, even if it was a week, it was a lot of hustling. Yeah, that, you know? yeah. But I dis- distinctly remember that we just wouldn't give up. And so we ended up going to, to Valiant. This is actually really good. So the first person to uh, see our work is uh, uh, the production director of Valiant at that time, who was Randy's boss. He looked at our portfolio, and he liked it. And he said, uh, let me go get Don Perlin. Don Perlin, at that time, I don't know if he was like the art director of Valiant, but I don't know if you know who Don Perlin is. He's like an old-school artist, you know. Yeah, I know the name. From like, I mean, I, I don't know his career, but I remember him from the 80s and the 90s, uh-huh. and he worked in a lot of stuff. And at that time, he was at Valiant. I knew his name, and so did my friend. Like we knew who he was, so uh, uh, we all go to like this conference room. So it's the the production director, Don Perlin, me and my friend, and uh, he looks at our work, and you know, he was actually so great and genuine. You know, it it was like talking to like you know a pit boss in the thirties or, oh, or wow. something in a bullpen. He's like, right, "What's this over here? He's, That's an elbow. <laughs> Do you see your elbow go like this? Is it turning in this way or that?" I was like, straight up, "Wow, this guy's awesome." So you know, he but it wasn't that kind of criticism that made you feel bad. It was right. like, you know. And then he goes, "You know, he he told us this: uh, John Basama never erased. He goes, if he messed something up, he'd just go right on. Like he'd just keep going. He told this whole thing about. I mean, those little tidbits, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, like yeah, yeah. in so reflection sad. now, they mean so much oh, to yeah, me, you know. Yeah. At, at, and even at that time, we knew who John Buscema was. We sure. knew, like, so uh, so he basically was like, "Look, you guys are good, yeah, yeah, you know, but you know, just just work a little more and come back." But then the the production director was like, "Well, do you think we should like give them something?" And he's like, "You really like these guys, don't you?" He's like, I go ahead and do something with them. So basically, this, uh, um, and his name is Darren. He was the production director at that time. I believe that's, that's what he was doing. Uh, he had like his own story that I guess he wanted to pitch uh-huh. uh, for Valiant with their characters. I mm-hmm. forgot what the actual book, Armorines maybe. So basically, he had like a script. So it wasn't like an official Valiant kind of tryout, yeah. but it was because he was working at Valiant and it was a script that he had developed for right. one of their characters. So he actually like gave us the script and we officially went ahead, officially, unofficially, to kind of produce a few pages, pencil and inked, of this story that he wanted to pitch to Valiant. So he so it it wasn't just a test, it was something he could use to pitch. Sure, sure, okay. sure, sure. And it was like... Hey, I got something you want. You got something I want. It's like absolutely perfect. It'll give us a chance to present something directly, you know, through you. Since, right. Since it's something that 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 it's like your story, and if it works out and they like your story and they like our art, then it's a win win for like everyone. So we had, and he's super cool. Like he he ended up becoming a really good friend. You know, like after that, I I got really close. But at that moment, you know, we didn't know anything, and we're like, hey, it's a shot. 
So in essence, we felt like we had a shot to at least try something. So we went home and I don't know, it took us like a week maybe. I don't know how many pages we did, maybe like six to eight pages, um, pencil and inked. We came back. And actually, th- these pages were actually much better than any of the sample pages that we had done. Because I uh-huh. think we definitely knew that we needed to kick it up and like really be professional. And right, tr- we right. tried our best. I remember working really hard on like, I was horrible at drawing machines and I was drawing these like armorine guy. I remember like really focusing on like getting the machinery right and right. really trying. And my, my, my boy was like a natural artist. So he could just ink his ass off. So it didn't matter what you put in front of him. He was right. absolutely nasty. So, um, yeah, we ended up coming back. And then this time he presented the pages to Bob Layton. So Bob Layton saw the pages and I guess it impressed them enough that they ended up giving me uh, like an inventory story and, uh-huh. they, and they gave and they put my, my, my friend at work right away. Oh, wow. Inking professionally, whatever books they were working on. Like, you know, Bob Layton's an inker. Right. So that was like an immediate sort of fusion. Gotcha. You know? So he boom, jumped in. And then with me, it was uh, – so, so Darren basically was like, well, uh, I don't think – it was like, we'll find something for you to like draw. But in the meantime, do you want to work in the production department? So he hired me to work part-time in the production department of Valiant at that time. And it was fantastic because it was like this little bullpen and it was like all these guys and everyone was putting together you know, this like small comic book company. But they, they had – you know generated a lot of like goodwill at that time a lot right. of good stories you know like i even the stuff i had seen was like really fantastic the archer and armstrong stuff right, and right. the solar stuff and turok so uh, all of a sudden i got to work behind the scenes you know at an official comic book company at that time to see how they produce their books and how old are you here so at this point i'm 19 maybe. okay yeah like 19 going to 20 something like that so were you st- Still at FIT at this time, or you no, just I was left? done. I, so I basically, yeah, I went to FIT. I was one of the uh, seventeen, eighteen, and eighteen, nineteen. So I okay. left at like nineteen, and then so yeah, like nineteen twenty. So okay. this is around. So the, stylistically, where were you at this point with your art? Um, I think at that point, you know, I was very raw and and very much some kind of hybrid of whatever influences I was into at that time. You know, uh, I, I don't th- I, I don't think I had a definable style, but I, I did kind of sense that I had something. You know, sure. So, so. Who were your, your influences at that time? Well, definitely. I mean, at that time, I mean, I remember like growing up with the classic sort of like artist artists. Uh-huh. There was like the Buscemas into the John Burns, uh-huh. Walt Simonson, George Perez, right. Arthur Adams. That like era of really yeah, golden era. Guys, Frank yeah. Miller, uh-huh. you know. But then also, you know, like when Bill Sienkiewicz came on the scene, mm-hmm. you know, when he like flipped that style, I remember that being such a distinct era for me, like the like change of, of mind of what a comic book could look like. Right. And I remember when he started doing his like new mutant stuff. Mm-hmm. And, like, so I, I, I always, I think, felt that like it wasn't just the superhero stuff I was being influenced by, but that I knew there was some really like okay. meaty kind of stuff that you could explore. So this creatively. is before the like cartoony explosion hit. Yes. Okay. Yeah. I, okay. I think at that time I would probably have been more in that classic cool. Cool. Right. superhero style okay. maybe with a little bit of that sort of art edge to it exactly I exactly you. you know but uh, i mean at that time i was still just finding you know some kind of voice for myself okay so you did the inventory story yes yeah, so i i i don't you know what i don't think the inventory story 
actually ever came, to be quite honest. Oh, really? and I think I ended up uh, <laughs> like hanging around in the production department. But what was interesting is that, you know, my boy was doing all kinds of work. So it was like this nice, you know, interaction like between myself, the people in the production department and then the people that we got to meet, the artists and right, all the people that right. kind of like came in and out, you know. So at that time, I was really in that like mix you know and this was still valiant so this was still like a, a, a maybe like a year or so away from the uh, the acclaim uh turnover right when, uh, when acclaim bought valiant and became acclaim comics so i was there still at that last like i wasn't there during the barry windsor smith like heyday mm-hmm. you know it was more towards the back end of that you know okay so uh but while working in the in the production department I obviously got to see a lot of the artwork come in. I got a, like an insider's perspective, you know, on the right. process, everything, everything, how it went from from the art to, you know, the copies to the colorist to then the lettering to then separating the film. So I, I really enjoyed that experience. And I soaked up a lot of stuff. And I was practicing at that time. Mm-hmm. Like I was drawing stuff, you know. I think I was waiting for something to come through, um, and then, um, actually, oh my God, uh, something did come through. Like I think in in the middle of that year, uh, I ended up getting four covers for a Keith Giffen book. Oh wow! Called Punks, P U N X, which I think did come out. I think this was the second series. Sounds familiar. Yeah, so I think he he did a a, a first series called Punks. So, you know, but now I'm getting confused. I don't remember if that was with Valiant or like with with, with Acclaim. I have to like kind of confirm that. Right. But that ended up being um, like one of the first things that I did, and I ended up producing these four covers, you know, uh, for for this this potential book. I don't think it ever hit, but uh, I remember I did have a conversation with with Keith Giffen, and, and he was super cool uh, about art and like yeah. I'll never forget it. He he t- and I've used this ever since. He goes, remember when in doubt black it out right you know so I've, I've used that throughout the years here like, yeah that's an old, old wally wood yes quote. that's right that's right but keith was such a mentor to so many artists yes like i mean i think i forget what book i think it was justice league unlimited something where it was like adam hughes and Stelfreeze and jason pearson and all the atlanta guys worked over his layouts and oh, wow. learned how comics worked That's by amazing. working with him. That's amazing. Yeah. He was so cool and helpful. Like I, it was only one time that, that I spoke to him. But you know, I was still in the production department, you know, and I was doing that. And I think I also did like a story for Magic the Gathering. Uh-huh. That, that I think they they had the license for that. Yeah. There was something related to Magic the Gathering. And I I think I did like a story, but like none of this stuff ever got printed or, or really got out there you know so at, at this point i'm still just in the production department you know? all right but i think this is important to talk about because artistically like i was saying to you earlier you like you can design a logo you can create a poster you can do interiors like all these different skill sets you're masterful at each one and just speaking to you um, it's like interesting to hear how well it's at this point in my life i got my production and design training yeah. and then yeah. at this point in my life i got my panel to panel storytelling right, right, training right right actually yeah and maybe i've never broken it down that way but but you're right i the 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 production aspect of it did end up changing my life in that 
about a year after I, I was there, and I had gotten to know a lot of these these guys. We all became like friends, you know? and in fact, a lot of these guys went on and they're they're like in the industry, right? You know, so there was like a a group of us, and we le- we were learning a lot. And I was in the production department, and everyone knew I was an artist, and everyone was it was just a matter of getting your break, and and you'll be like a penciler and a comic book artist. Um, and I remember that I, I at one point. I only did production, but then they had a lettering department and they were still doing letters by hand, but they had a couple of books that they were experimenting with digital lettering and they were using Quark Express at that time. And everyone was using Quark. Yes, because that was at that time, you know, the the publishing program. Right. So if you were, you know, the transition into like the magazine industry, going from mechanicals and paste ups and the old production ways, Quark was there to help streamline that process so i remember um someone but that was someone doing that i didn't work on that and right. this guy went on vacation and they asked me to take over his digital lettering stuff so i was like yeah for a week so he teaches me the way he does it on quark and i sit down and i begin to letter this and i realized that you could actually do this much more efficiently with illustrator even at that time you now, know this is fascinating to me because i'm wondering if you were the the person responsible because it was such a small industry yeah. that it just takes one person to to sort of say hey this can be done in illustrator one company starts doing it the other company starts doing interesting. it. interesting and i i mean yes at some point yeah. it would have happened but I'm wondering if you were the domino that, that caused wow. that effect. I, I, I never thought about it or even you know, looked at it that way. I had figured – I can say that at that time, I definitely helped implement changing from Quark to Illustrator. Yeah. Lettering just – it wasn't all their books. It was just whatever these two books were. Right. Were- and because I did the samples and I showed them and the way we could do special effects, the right. way we could like customize stuff. Even back then, it was, it was that much – it was pretty powerful to, mm-hmm. to use and compared to Quark to right. letter a right. comic book. So uh, I think that – I don't know. Maybe like made some kind of like impression because uh, – uh, well, soon after that was the like turnover where, where Acclaim bought Valiant. You know, so there was definitely like a like a D day for everyone, and <clears throat> sure enough, they like got rid of almost everyone in the production department. Uh, they got rid of like a lot of people. And they called me into the office, and I thought I was going to get fired, and said they offered me a job as a graphic designer. So I was there when they went from full production department. There was like twelve people to three graphic designers with computers. Wow! You know, and and overnight, dude. Overnight, yeah. you saw a yeah. whole industry switch. You know, like I mean, and that's just my little perspective. Sure, you know, this was happening across the board, right? Right. Uh, right. You know, because you needed yeah. all these systems to line up to start to work together. You know, and this is also the boom of you know technology and internet. Right. And, this is right. a good companion <clears throat> episode to like my like I was saying to you mm-hmm. earlier, my Lee Lowridge episode because he okay. talks about the same thing, but with from the colorist perspective. Awesome. Awesome. So, and and well, it's funny because coloring also played a big part in my early sort of training where I had learned how to color the way Valiant had colored. Uh-huh. And in fact, I had colored a couple of books, like inventory books. I don't think they ever got printed, but I actually colored them. You know, like I did a little bit of, of, of everything and I realized uh-huh. now that, wow, that was a great experience. You know, hand coloring, you know, using the Doc Martin watercolors and like coloring a Magnus book, you know, for right. inventory. You know, if it ever got printed, it'd be great. It never did. But... While I was kind of like at home, you know, even though I was doing production there, I was teaching myself like computer coloring. 
because that's what I want. Like, I don't, you know what? This was uh, like, so computer coloring, I guess, dropped with image, right? Were, were they the ones that really ex- explored? I, I want to say yes, but I can't say for certain. Yeah, but I, I, it, it was definitely that look, yes. that era where they got that super flashy computer yes. coloring. And in. I was all into that, and I was trying to like teach myself that. And it, so it turns out that once I sat down to work at, at, at Valiant slash Acclaim as a graphic designer, I mean, it happened so fast. Like, all of a sudden, we started doing computer coloring with stuff. And uh-huh. we started, like, doing a full digital lettering with stuff. And all of a sudden, the whole pipeline became digital, you know. And it's, it happened so fast, you know. But uh, I had a little bit of experience with all of those different facets. So at this point, are you jonesing to be drawing comics and be like, I just want to draw? draw? <laughs> no. Or are you like, this is cool stuff? I'm uh, honestly, because uh, at this point, when I got offered the full-time job, I was like, you know what? I'm 21, 22 years old. Uh, uh, I did this, like, I tried to do this comic book stuff. But you know what? This is like a job. It was like a, a salary job. I had, like, insurance. Right, right. I was living in the city with, with my girlfriend at the time. And, and I, I remember thinking, well, you know what? I'll just be a graphic designer. I'm cool. Like, because I wasn't really drawing comics. You know, I tried it that first mm-hmm. bump where I, when I really tried, when I got in, in, when I got my foot in the door. But once I got into production, first of all, I really love production. I really love seeing how stuff gets put together. And then when it fused with my computer skills at that moment, it was just a natural place. I was so into computers at that time that I think it superseded even my desire to just draw. You know, so I was into like creating you know i was i was into texture mapping and creating like the initial 3d stuff right and then when acclaim came in that was awesome because i love video games uh-huh. and they ended up setting up like a awesome like you know internet i you know pipeline okay. you know to using servers and i got to kind of see how these networks got built up so that really generated like my interest in computers, and and that's kind of what happened. Is like for like that maybe like a two year period. I went from trying to draw comics to then going through this production process at Valiant, being hired by Acclaim, and just sitting around and being a graphic designer. I loved it. I absolutely loved learning about the computer and all of these programs. I was totally in it, you know, hardcore at that at, at that time. Wow. Okay, so what happened next? <clears throat> With you getting into, because after that, yeah. you start to get into drawing comics? No, so uh, I had, I was comfortable just doing graphic design, and I was really happy about that. And then, yeah, you know, I'm totally like, like confusing thing. When I got hired as a graphic designer, it was still Valiant. So, uh-huh. it, and it was a little while after that, that they got bought by Acclaim. And then it became Acclaim Comics. So I was just like I was like one of the graphic designers, right? But I was there during that turnover, so I went from Valiant to Acclaim, and that's when uh, Fabian Isieza came in, became editor in chief, and kind of did this whole like rebirth thing with with Acclaim and put together a lot of really good creative people, and and you know he did spike it I think for for when uh-huh. he first got there, you know, he created some real quality stuff. Um, so I was just there as a graphic designer. And I had no aspirations at all to draw comics anymore. Now, I sketched. Right. And I, like, had little doodles and stuff like that. So one day, early in this turnover process, Fabian walks by my desk and he, like, sees some of my sketches. And he just asked me if, if I drew. And I was like, well, you know, I, I did. But, you know, honestly, any of that stuff I did even a couple of years ago, I wouldn't consider, like, anything really good. 
So he, um, he just said, well, show me something. So I was like, all right, I'll see, I'll, I'll see what I can do. So I ended up going home, and I did like one page, uh-huh. a brand new page just for me, full pencils. And I'll, I'll never forget it. I, I might have a scan of it somewhere. It was like a bar fight. <laughs> it was like, like muscle motorcycle guys, you know, like, you know, I don't know, some dude had like a flash eye superpower. I don't know. It, it looked like a, but it, honestly, it looked like a page. Right. It actually looked to me like a real page. And it had like a big money shot of a guy punching another guy. Right. So that's all I could come up with. It was like one single page. So I, I come in, whatever, a few days later, and I go to Fabian's office, and I'm like, hey, listen, man, I, this is, like, all I got, but, I mean, I'm going to do some more stuff. So I just kind of, like, showed him the one page. He took it. He looked at it. He looks up. He's like, you want to create a book with me? That's awesome. <laughs> I was like, what? So, you know, uh, I was like, yeah, I mean, uh, I, be, I mean, I was, like, so stunned. Right. Like, you know, I think I needed, like, a little more in, information and basically he said that he's creating a book and uh he just asked if i'd be interested in like penciling even though i had never penciled a full book or a book for a claim for yeah 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 yeah, wow. yeah so so i was just like yeah dude i mean you know i was like totally blown away so i went home i, I spoke to, to to you know like my girl at the time my fiance uh, at that time and i was like wow because uh, you know, i talked to him about it and obviously i couldn't do I couldn't be a full-time graphic designer and then, you know, draw a comic book. So it was kind of like one or the other. Mm-hmm. I either had to turn it down and just stay on as a graphic designer or just give it a shot. I'd have to quit my, my full-time stable job and go give it a shot and draw this book, you know, with uh, Fabian. Right. So I decided, well, I mean, I don't, you know, not too many people get offered right off the bat no. to help, like, co-create a book, you know. Yeah. And I say that, you know, like much more generously than it should be all i did with character designs you know but he actually put me down as co-creator you oh, know, wow. which i thought was incredibly generous i did not create i mean i i obviously as the series went in you know i got to contribute more right my layouts right. and stuff like that and i learned a lot but uh, uh and and that kind of started you know the beginning of like my first career you know as a comic book artist okay so that book did it come out? Did yes, it, it got yes, picked up yes, and it yes, came yes, out. Yes, it, and how, it, uh, how many issues did you do? Uh, it was uh, it's a book called Troublemakers. Uh-huh. Um, it, I ended up doing um, well. The the full run, I ended up doing like nine issues. Okay, you know, from beginning to end. But I remember when I like first like officially committed to this. You know, I, I got to say, like a lot of of my childhood dreams really felt like. Here it is. I'm like, yo, you sure, got your shot, sure. dude. Like, this so is all you. Did you stop working in the production room entirely and gave up the salary? Yeah, yeah. So I, I basically, you know, I made plans with everyone, you know, my my you know, my personal family situation, everyone at work, everyone was happy for me. Everyone was like, you know, this is your shot. Go right. ahead and go go do it. And uh so I did it and I remember like quitting. I remember getting the script and I remember going to my apartment and then like looking at this script and thinking, wow, this is it. This is what you do. This is what, this is how you make a comic. Right. And I'm like, and obviously Fabian was a very, you know, big writer at sure, the time, sure. you know, the stuff he had done in Marvel. So, uh, I was like, <clears throat> man, dude, I remember I stared at that first page, you know, for a good three days. I couldn't do anything. I didn't know what to do. I had no idea like how to start. 
my first <laughs> real comic book, you know. But nine um, issues, you learn a lot. Yeah, yeah, and then you know, once you kind of get off that that like first you know scary part, which yeah. is to to get the first couple of pages down. And it's always, you know, handing the stuff in and making sure that they like it. You right. know? So it, it was a little process. And Fabian was instrumental, absolutely instrumental in, in helping me develop at that time as a comic book artist. You know, and I'll always like that. That dude's like one of like my. You Do you know. still keep in touch with him? Uh, not, not not regularly. I, I think I saw him. Um, we had like lunch a couple of years ago. Oh, OK. Um, I just worked with him for the first time. Oh, cool. On the Deadpool short. Awesome. Oh, that's fantastic. I, I'm so happy to hear that he's like still I, I knew that like, he was still doing stuff here and there. Yeah. Um, you know, but like earlier on, you know, obviously, you know, he was like a, a mentor to me. You yeah. know, and he really like took me under his wing and gave me a lot of guidance and confidence and and he empowered me, you know, and, and I felt that, you know, this was good. And I think every issue You need that I was somebody like on, that. Yeah. Someone that, that, that can it doesn't even have to be one person. You just you need some people to let you know you're on the right yeah, track. Absolutely. That absolutely. keeps you going so much. Yeah, man. And, you know, think, like thinking about it now, yeah, dude, like you really helped me develop. And it was an incredible process. You know, I remember maybe like six issues into it, you know, he told me that, you know, you're going to like leave soon. I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, you know, these guys are going to come get you, like Marvel, DC. It's like, nah, no way, dude. Like, you know, I'm doing this. This is like troublemakers. But uh, sure enough, you know, like he was right. You know, I, I only lasted nine issues because I ended up like moving on to to, to work at DC. So uh, that was the next phase of like that experience. Okay, so DC came calling. Yes, yes. See what yes. what I'm going at here is I, I see this what we're doing as as a two part episode. Yeah, I feel like the first part just following the arc of where we're going is the rise and fall of Ken. Yeah, and then the second part. Yeah. The rise of Wanda. And, and just to like, hello, everyone. I'm Ken Martinez. <laughs> <laughs> you know, if you go look at a Troublemakers book, it'll say Ken Martinez. You know, like, so there, right. there is, a, and you know, and this is actually, to be quite honest, Sean, it's the first time, first of all, anyone's ever asked me I don't about, know asked like, Kwando origin was... thing. And, and, you know, some people have said, like, oh, there's like some mysterious dude. It's like, it's not. It's, this, so I find this all really funny and, and ironic because there really isn't anything crazy. There is yeah, a story I never, behind it. Yeah, I thought, I always just assumed that you got known for your graffiti art. Yeah, yeah. And that was your tag. Yes. And that was your icon, right. your little stencil that you'd spray. And so you got known for that. Therefore, you got hired as yeah, that. So yeah. I never saw something weird about it right, I just thought right, that's right. what happened but we'd become friendly and I was and I, I had known the minute we were going to do this I was like the first question I need to ask him is what's the story with yeah, Wando yeah. so I don't know why no one's asked you that <laughs> but let, let's let's keep going because I, I think it'll be really interesting to have part one the rise and fall of Ken pick up with Wando's yeah, birth and yeah. where that's leading you to now okay I think it'll be really fascinating awesome. so I think all this backstory yeah. we're telling it's leading to this interesting idea yeah. of of two personalities mm-hmm. two brands mm-hmm. and and you're getting into some very meta stuff right now yeah, personally yeah, so definitely we'll get there so DC comes calling yes so um so yeah uh, I, I remember that uh, the experience that I had been going through with Troublemakers was really amazing. I remember when I first started, I really didn't feel that I knew what I was doing. But definitely by like issue five or six, I hit like a stride. In fact, I hit some kind of vein where I was like, I knew I was making something. Like I knew I right. was 
like because the style changed, you know, and it and it I could I could actually see the like the evolution of it, which is really interesting because you know really you can't see the evolution of any comic art style unless you do it for an extended period right, of time. Right, right. In fact, that's one thing that's that's getting me is I haven't had an extended run on a book. Mm. I mean, Phantom X was my first four yeah. issues in a row. Wow. Everything else was a one shot, a two, three issue yeah. arc, an annual. But you I, like I, I mean, with what I'm getting into soon, I'm yeah. just looking to. Do forty five issues, That's it, dude. That's the it's that grind, which is the hardest part, but it's also the most necessary. That's where you to find yourself. Truly find, you know, it's like you have to go through thousands and thousands of bad lines before you find those good ones. You yeah, know? And, yeah, yeah. And that's where this consistency and, and comes those in. shorthands. Yep. And you're just mm-hmm. you get to the point where you're <clears throat> firing on instinct, Absolutely. and that's where you're strongest. Absolutely, not thinking about mm-hmm. anything. And and I really like in comic art. It's like like sports. You have yes. to train. You, you know, Axel to... always said that whenever he'd visit my school, mm-hmm. he always had this basketball analogy. Huh. He's like, the point of practice is to think so that during the game, you don't think. Absolutely. Absolutely. Oh, it's so true, dude. You know, and by doing this consistently, you get so... It, it stops because it's automatic. You know, like you just know what you're doing, you know. So I remember early on hitting that, like, vein where the images were coming quickly. Because there's a lot of frustration in storytelling man sure, sure. <laughs> i mean there's it's a lot easy. of a lot of hair pulling and you know so i mean obviously now it's easy for me to like analyze this shit and break it down but at, at that time i think i was really just too dumb to know anything and i was like in the moment you know and i was very aware of wanting to develop as a as, a, as an artist like i didn't want to be known as someone who looked like this guy or that guy i wanted to just kind of have my own style my like my, my own thing so i definitely was conscious of that you know and but yeah, but like DC came calling like maybe, you know, like I said, like six or seven issues into into my, my, my Troublemakers run. And they offered me, it was like a 10-page a story. I, f- I forgot what it was. It was like a flash story. And I ended up doing those 10 pages as I was doing like my, my, my Troublemakers book. And it, it turned out good. And I think they really liked it, you know. And then they like make me like a huge offer. They're like, hey, we're, we're doing this, uh, this flash book uh, with Mark Wade and, and Brian Augustine, I think at the time they were doing yeah. like, like a lot of stuff. And I think he was like a big writer. At, he still is. Like yeah. A yeah. Major yeah. No, that talent, flash run you know? was yeah. big. So I, I, and I think it was kind of like set up. I think they had wanted me to do like a lot of stuff for them, you know, and they had committed me, you know, once it, like they came and they plucked me, you know, it was, and, and Fabian was right. You yeah. know, and I remember going into his office and I remember feeling like kind of disappointed that I, that like I was going to take the, the DC thing because, I guess at that time, I thought that's what you needed to do. Right. That's, that's well, it makes you, sense. They're the big dogs. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so I, I, I did nine issues of Troublemakers. I think I did the first year of covers. So uh-huh. I still did like 12 covers of, 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 of that year. And then I went over to D.C. to do this, this uh, flash book, you know. Um, so that, that, so that <laughs> you know, this is kind of when, when the catastrophe struck. All right. Let's talk about know? that. So I guess... You know, this, it is what it is, man. You know, like it, it was uh, uh, all my fault. You know, I'll take 100% like responsibility for what happened because basically it was a complete, complete disaster. What happened? Well, tell us what happened. Well, uh, the, the, you know, again, I'm not going to make any kind of like excuses. You know, very simply put, at that time when I got that well, opportunity. But before you tell us, but just know. That a lot of people listening to this podcast mm-hmm. are either trying to get in mm-hmm. or in and have the same story to tell. 
Good. So it's helpful to those trying to get in yeah. to know, and it's helpful to all of us to realize we've all done yeah. it. I said no to my first DC job mm-hmm. and had to have the editor talk me into it. Wow. So I almost really fucked myself up pretty good on that one. <laughs> yeah. But go ahead. What happened? Well, yeah, no, I, I, I got the opportunity. I got the script. Everything was like set up. <clears throat> you know, and then I, I went through like a couple of personal issues uh, uh, at that time. You know, mainly it was whatever. I, had, I was separated from my fiance. You know, that was really the major Now, was that crisis. due to the time demands of the medium of working No, 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 no. That, that, it was, that was just more of like a natural sort of ending to, okay. to a relationship. But so when you're like 24 years old, engaged, yeah, and, and you think that hit. this is going to be your life. Engaged, you know, yeah, that's real. Yeah, no, no, yeah, yeah. It, was, it was like the full picture thing. And, you know, it just kind of hit me. You know, I guess I wasn't expecting it. And basically, you know, I just let it affect my work. You know, I had to literally start the book the same week that this happened. And I had to move out of my apartment and I ended up moving into like my mom's unfinished basement. So I went from like my own everything to like this unfinished fucking basement. And here I am with this like DC script. You know, straight up, man, I I just, my heart just wasn't in it. You know, my heart just wasn't in it. And I remember just like kind of flubbing through the pages. You know, I remember... I, I, at, at that time, you did like a first run, and then like you just handed it in. Right. I don't think you had this like daily update style. Right. You know, like, right. Well, yeah, there wasn't the internet. So yeah. 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 Even, even. So I, I think I just kind of like went ahead and I penciled maybe like the first eight to ten pages. I don't know. I handed it in, man. Wow. It was basically if the book hadn't already been solicited and scheduled and I mean, they would have they would have thrown my ass like on the street, dude. It was so bad. Like even even the anchor called me. He's like, yo, dude, man, I'm going to do everything I can to save this book, dude. But you need to like step it up, dude. The editor called me and like, dude, what's going on, man? Like this is I mean, I'm talking about this. What did the editor say to you when you turned it in? (laughs) I I, I think it was like he called me up and and everyone was blunt. The shit was horrible. There's just no two ways about it. It was uh-huh. pure garbage, dude. I would never in a million years. Like, I'm so ashamed. I apologize. Were they like, like everyone were they, involved? It was like bad, dude. Were they pissed? Oh yeah, absolutely, okay. absolutely. So, I mean, I guess if, if you kind of look at it, the, the second half of this book was a little better, you know, okay. uh, like like creatively. But I think by, by like by then it was just like kind of too late, dude. You know, I, I think I had crash and burned you know and and taking this opportunity and overall i just don't think anyone was happy i wasn't happy you know the 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 writers weren't happy dc wasn't happy you know and then uh that was it and uh no no actually ironically again they had committed me to like a bunch of projects and i believe i might have even had some kind of regular gig ready for me but I think all that stuff got pulled, and then I did do um, a Legion of, of Superheroes story mm-hmm. after this Flash book because I think it was already. So like, you did the whole Flash book? Yeah, yeah. Okay. I, I penciled it. I penciled. Was it a how many? Was it a miniseries? No, it was actually like one book, like one double size. Oh, okay, like an book. annual or something. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. And and um, but I think it was like a big book for their right <clears throat> Flash line at the time. But it was like yo, dude. And at that point, I I had just figured. Like it was like over. I did do this Legion of, of Superheroes book after that, which ironically, I ironically was my best work at the time. Like I, I knew that I had you know fucked up this this Flash book, and I mm-hmm. think this Legion book I like I re- went redemption. Really, yeah, but it was again. I think by then it was already like you they just let me it. like kind of finish it off, and then right. and then that was it. You know, like I you I, were labeled as unpredictable, probably. <clears throat> and yeah, 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 and I I think there was 
some probably some kind of like you know excommunication right. from, from DC at you know at the time, which is completely you know I deserved it. You know, it just really wasn't professional. So know. was that it for you after that? Well, uh, at that so then again, you know, I was kind of still in this weird personal limbo of like things that happening in my life. You know, like all of a sudden I wasn't engaged, and now I messed up this book. And I'm living in my mom's basement, you know. And I'd always kind of lived on my own. I always had, like, my own apartment and my own everything. So I – and then finally, I think uh, uh, I was just like, I don't want to be here. And I took, like, the last $2,000 I had in my name and I rented an apartment in Queens okay. with, like, no job, no nothing. I didn't know where I was going to, like, make any money. You had the, hit bottom. Yeah, yeah. I had totally hit, like, rock bottom. And it's funny because I had committed to going to uh, – on a trip to Europe. Okay. Like, that's where I want to start yeah. the next episode. Okay. that's where Wando is born. <clears throat> pretty <Correct>? much. <laughs> okay. Okay, good. Pretty much, pretty much. All right. So I'm going to push stop here. We'll take a break. I'll load up another card. And then we'll, of course, part two. You got it, brother. All right. Thanks, Juan. All right. Hope you enjoyed that ride. It gets a little bumpier up ahead. Thanks again for listening to Ink Pulp Audio. Thank you to everyone supporting this. Uh, I'm not going to go on and on about social media stuff. Um, I know I've I've complained about that in the past, but like I said, I got to do what I got to do. So, uh, yeah, thanks. All, All I ask is that you really help spread the word about this show. Tweet about it. Do whatever you got to do. Tell a friend. Uh, listenership is going up. It's plateaued a little. Still really good. But, you know, I, I don't... My hope is that this just reaches more and more and more people. So please spread the word. Please go on iTunes, subscribe, and please leave feedback there. That's That's stuff that lets not just me but other other listeners know what this podcast is and i've got a lot of really positive reviews um but more would be good cuz i never have enough validate me everyone please i am so needy no stems no seeds that you don't need acapulco gold is bad as we Yo, this is the Jugga Jugga Genius, and I got the Brother Prince Rock King on the side. You know, we got the Cess Bones in the house, and yo, God, I'ma pass you the ball. Pass the ball, can't pass the ball. Pass the ball, can't pass the ball. Pass the ball, can't pass the ball. Pass the ball, to lock a bow and a rock. Rocky was feeling lovely, while the pocket full of dough. A little drunk, the axe is mad slow. Bacon, should I go to the club soon? And do what? And back up, 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 quaid. Another thing, beyond the cream, I wanted to get ripped. Put my lips on the brunt. It's been two weeks. Since the last chord, went down to the club floor. Five dollar fee, plus ID. But a brother like me, gas is waiting for free. Bird took a bar seat, got a tall glass of sex on the beach. I turned to my left, so this girl, she was slamming the shot. But you don't get I examined her, pushed up. I tried to back up for her name. What happened? I didn't have the game. Overwhelmed by accent in the air. Could it be? Yes, yeah. A potent bag of sex beer. It was Ray Quan and Lounge and Low. They had a bone. The Palmetto, 
I said, pass the bone, pass the bone. Pass the bone, kid, pass the bone. They passed it, took one pull, I was blasted. Felt kind of sterilated, fantastic. Be your poster week cipher. Did you surprise her? I tranquilized her. Bagged her for her name and address. Slid to her rest, achieved mass success. Did you bone her? Did I bone her? Did I bone her? You should have heard her bone. Pass the bone, pass the bone. Pass the bone, kid, pass the bone. Pass the bone, kid, pass the bone. Yo, genius. Pass the bone, kid, pass the bone. Pass the bone, kid, pass the bone. Pass the bone, kid, pass the bone. Pass the bone, so I can check it outside a nightclub. We shine some young bloods. Drinking 40s right down to the suds. Ready to flow inside and rip the mic phone. And all I needed was a cess bone. And guess who come down the block stumbling drunk? Hey, saw with two bags of skunk. Pull out the blunt, put the weed inside. Roll it up tight, then the flame was applied. Inhale, but not retaining the core. Exhale, you know, like two pulls and off. Stimulated, kind of toxic. Seen a girl who was foxy. Yo, but she needed oxy. Wash, oh my gosh. Yo, not to disrespect, but back to the subject. The brothers rolled up on a scene that I know. Smelt the skunk and said, yo, pass the ball. I said, it's not enough to pass around, so go get a bag from uptown. I gave a pound to the brothers who were sweating me. What about the whistles? They were stressing me. Hey, jingus, jingus, when you gonna come do me? Step to me, you know, screw me. Just another red bone that I had bagged in the red zone and took home to get my head blown. Forget about the weak cipher. So I slid to the back, leaving tracks of smoke stacks that originated from the sex crops. Give me the mic and watch me get props. Pass the bone. Yo, kid, pass the bone. Pass the bone, 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 kid, pass the bone. Pass the bone so I can bowl the microphone. 